Welcome to the Outsourcing Farmer podcast. I'm Gareth MacDonald. Pressure to increase efficiency is driving demand for technologies that give greater insight into a drug candidate's potential at the earliest possible stage in the discovery and development process. Biomarker analysis is one of the methods pharmaceutical firms are turning to to meet this need, particularly, according to Quintal's Christopher Ung, when it comes to developing cancer drugs. Broadly, I think there are a couple of ways uh, that biomarkers can uh, assist in the development of uh, therapies, especially targeted ones. Um, on, on, the, on the very top level, of course, uh, is uh, the biomarkers like Hercept tests and biomarkers like KRAS, uh, where you are identifying patients who may actually uh, benefit from uh, treatment with a particular targeted therapy. In a KRAS mutation, actually, you are deselecting the patients, uh, those with the mutation are not uh, selected for treatment with uh, monoclonal antibodies to EGFR. So clearly those, uh, those are, are, are quite valuable biomarkers. Um, the less, the less um, I wouldn't say less value, but uh, certainly where the value is not as well understood but uh, strongly anticipated in, uh, in the cases where you're using pharmacodynamic biomarkers, where you're using these biomarkers to gauge the potential efficacy of whether these uh, targeted therapies will work in patients. So by monitoring whether the biomarker is modulated uh, during the clinical trial where patients are being treated, I think it gives you an early sense of uh, whether these compounds are going to have a a strong effect. And you can also use this information to design uh, more intelligent phase two and phase three trials, uh, and which also has the benefit of our lowering cost and uh, decreasing the amount of time. How healthy then is is demand in the drug industry for biomarker analysis services, and how well is it catered for by the contract research sector? So that's a fun question in a way, because back in 1998, uh, when I was working on Hercept tests, uh, it it was pretty clear that most pharmaceutical companies uh, really were not putting any attention on biomarkers at all. I mean, the whole notion of uh, selecting patients uh, seemed quite new and quite novel at that time. Uh, if you fast forward to 2010, 2011 now, uh, I, I, I would be hard-pressed to find a single major pharmaceutical company who, who have not dedicated resources to building a strong biomarker and translational oncology group. Uh, in fact, some of these uh, organizations have uh, really um, built up great skills uh, to rival even companies who focus on biomarker diagnostics. Uh, so I, I think clearly the, that itself is a pretty strong indicator that the development of biomarkers and the understanding of biomarkers within a clinical development program is uh, essentially indispensable. Um, CROs. Now, um, I, I certainly can't comment too much about uh, what other companies are doing, but as for, in terms of quintiles, uh, we, we realize that the, the way to to be of value to our sponsors is essentially to mimic and to understand uh, that development process. And because they have committed fully to the development of biomarkers and implementation of biomarkers in the development chain, we have uh, therefore uh, done the same. So from from our perspective, um, being able to serve our customers requires quintiles to be quite facile with the implementation and development of biomarkers. Okay, so finally then, you've talked about where we stand now. 
looking forward, what are we going to be the most exciting scientific factors driving the use of bi- biomarkers in drug development going forward? Well, technology certainly comes to play here. CROs like Quintels will have to make a decision, as, as with pharma, actually. Uh, when I speak to our sponsors, they also grapple with the decision whether to implement a technology that has potential value, uh, again, with the ultimate goal of selecting patients or deselecting them for a particular targeted therapy. And some of these technologies uh, are indeed quite novel. Uh, today, we're, we're still relying pretty heavily on immunohistochemistry with uh, fluorescence inside the hybridization and real-time PCR. I think those uh, have become a bit of a staple and will continue to play a role. Uh, but uh, there are two things uh, driving... Uh, driving uh, the desire to look at new technologies. One is sometimes, uh, especially with lung cancer, the appropriate tissue specimens are hard to obtain. So are we able to find a surrogate specimen, for instance, in blood, uh, circulating DNA, circulating tumor cells? Are those candidates, uh, are, are those good candidates for clinical development? And uh, the, other, the other part of it is um, uh, being able to detect a particular uh, cancer event, uh, oncogenic event, uh, earlier on in, in the in the process, rather than waiting for it to become uh, a, a full blown tumor that you can see through other methods. So I think those uh, two reasons will continue to drive uh, the the search for for new technology. Uh, in, in addition, I think uh, I think what we're trying to we're, we're understanding that cancer is a multi headed beast. Um, even as we develop targeted therapies that are able to combat to one particular pathway, we find that uh, there's often a switch uh, to a different pathway, perhaps six to eight months uh, down the road. Um, And being able to understand how to respond to that is critical. And I believe biomarkers play a vital role so that we we understand in in a translational method how to combine targeted therapies or perhaps uh, combining it with other modalities uh, to to combat the the multi-headed effect. Christopher, thank you very much for sharing these insights. For Outsourcing Pharma, this is Gareth MacDonald.